Let me tell you about the sports and lifestyle apparel industry. Uh, you know, they've been dominated for years by the same companies, the companies with divisive agendas, companies that use your dollars to fund things you probably don't agree with. Well, Unitas is the answer to this. It's a, Love it's, this. It's awesome. It's a new clothing company founded by NBA player Jonathan Isaac, who's fantastic. It offers a value-based alternative for stylish, high-quality sports and lifestyle apparel. When this was announced, the day it was announced, I came home. My wife had already ordered me a sweatshirt and herself a sweatshirt. It's great. Uh, it's great stuff. It's a community. It's more than just cool clothes. It brings people together in support of traditional values like faith, family, and freedom. And when you shop Unitas, you're supporting a company that is committed to upholding these values in the marketplace. They've got the new uh, the new shoe out, the Judah One, which is awesome. Really, really cool. Uh, is making history. It's the first ever signature shoe to visit, feature a visible Bible verse on the exterior. It's never been done before. Uh, check it out. It's weareunitas.com. Weareunitus.com. If you use the code BLAZE2, you get free shipping. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Still taking phone calls uh, from you. If you watched the debate last night, love to hear your opinion. We just had Megan Kelly on. Uh, she was rock solid last night and again this morning on who the winners and losers were. Well, we'd like to hear your opinion. Uh, also, this week, we haven't had a lot of time to talk about what the FBI is doing, what the FBI is uh, entangled in. And I think we have Mike Leon here in about 30 minutes to talk about how the government is spying on regular Americans uh, in ways they've never, ever done before. It's bold and nobody seems to care about it. And also how the FBI is targeting Catholics. We have the co-authors of Persecuted From Within. This is the, um, this is the book that really talks about how many Catholics have either left or been scandalized um, by the errors or immorality that is happening in the clergy, there is a real division happening and they're being targeted inside and outside of the Catholic Church. We're going to talk about that coming up in 60 seconds. First, how often do you find yourself just going through the motions when it comes to feeding your dog? Bowl is empty, grab the bag of kibble, fill her up, walk away. What if you could be giving your dog a better, happier, and healthier life just by altering the way you feed him or her just a little bit? Because when it comes to Rough Greens, a little bit goes a long way. Rough Greens is not a dog food, so you still fill it up with kibble, but it's a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black that you sprinkle on the dog's food, and uh, brown food, dead food, Green food is what they need. You need the greens. Your dog does too. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love it. They have a special deal. You just pay for shipping and your first trial bag is free. Free. All you pay for is shipping. Just call 833-GLEN-33. That's 833-G-L-E-N-N-33 or roughgreens.com slash back. Roughgreens.com slash back or 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. Well, let me say hello to a couple of people. Alex Torres, he was a former speechwriter for uh, President Trump. 
And my good friend and former co-author, Joshua Charles, uh, he is also a former White House speech writer, and he is the uh, co-author of Original Argument, the Federalist Case for the Constitution, adapted for the 20th century, which is something we put out. I don't even know. Joshua, how long ago was that? That was 2008, nine. 2011. That was over was 12 really? years ago, Glenn. Wow. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Thank you again for the opportunity. It, no. it did a lot of things. No. Thank you. You're, extra- you're extraordinarily talented. Um, so, guys, tell me, and, and I guess, Alec, if you want to start, tell me about Persecuted from Within. Yeah, Persecuted from Within is a book that's uh, really rooted in something that Josh and I were noticing, that if you're a good, faithful, traditional Catholic, even just a good, faithful, traditional Christian, all around you, people are you're under attack. People don't like you. The state doesn't like you. And frankly, we saw in our own church, a lot of people in our church don't like us, and they're trying to crush us. So uh, we wanted to know how to respond to that. We wanted to figure out how do you act as a good Christian, a good person of faith, in response to institutions that you love persecuting you. Uh, And we thought of a better way to do that than to look at great historical figures, really monumental Christians Mm. from the past who had to live under uh, pretty terrible circumstances, frankly, circumstances that are oftentimes worse than our own, uh, and learn the lesson straight from them. Uh, one of my, you cover one of my favorite guys, Fulton Sheen, uh, the Archbishop uh, from New York, who uh, I, I didn't know about growing up. I found out about him probably in 2008, and I just think he's one of the greatest guys ever. Uh, I don't think of him as persecuted, but he's a part of the book. How do you, how do you look at him? And what did you learn from him? Well, he was persecuted in a way that was a little uh, uh, hidden. Um, what happened with him was that his cardinal at the time, it was just this interpersonal dispute. Uh, Bishop Sheen was in charge of distributing uh, charity to the poor, and Spellman gave him a bunch of dry milk from the government that he got for free to distribute to the poor. And when Sheen, uh, Spellman asked Sheen to, to pay for it, and Sheen said no. So, uh, you know, you think it's a, it's a small matter, but it, it, it actually made the Cardinal t- livid against him, and he vowed revenge, uh, moved him out of his position, cut him off from his TV program, and sent him off to work mm. in Rochester, where he was totally ill-suited for his role. Uh, but he had to do it, because it was his boss, essentially. You know, he was under the Cardinal, and, and he, he had to submit. So he looked like this great figure, really had a golden touch, media personality, invited to these big events in New York, and then boom, pretty much a failure when he was sent over to Rochester, all because he refused to take money from the poor and give it to his boss. You you know, um, Joshua, you, you're having this um, persecution. A lot of people are questioning the way their churches are behaving uh, because we're in a time of great change, and I think most of our churches have gotten fat and sassy and uh, you know, are too timid to take on the real gospel truth and how it applies in our lives. And so a lot of people in a lot of uh, faiths are having this problem. In, in the Catholic Church, you just had something unheard of happen here in Texas where the Pope got involved and kicked somebody out. Yeah, Bishop Strickland, who is actually a friend of mine, Uh, uh, Right before COVID, I was able to spend some time with Bishop Strickland in what we Catholics call Eucharistic Adoration, where we pray before what we believe is uh, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord in the Eucharist. And we did that for what's called a holy hour. And and I'll just say the bishop's the real deal. We went to dinner. He wears wears his garments everywhere he goes. He's, um, he's He's a humble shepherd of the Lord. And I think in his reaction to 
the situation, we see how many of the saints that Alec and I write about in this book reacted. And we, we cover about, you know, 2,000 years worth of saints. And um, Bishop Strickland has asked Catholics, they've, he's asked them pray for Pope Francis. He's asked them to not engage in reviling. But he's also spoken the truth about um, some of the issues that are going on in the church. And frankly, that's the sort of behavior that many of the saints engaged in in this book. Uh, one that comes to mind is St. Athanasius, who was a great bishop of Alexandria. He was reviled and booted from his diocese multiple times. He was exiled five times from Alexandria. There was one time some soldiers were coming to pick him up that had been sent by the emperor, who was coordinating with some Arian bishops, and he just barely made it out. He basically covered his face and snuck through a crowd and, and escaped. And so there's some pretty harrowing stories. And Athanasius um, had to, it was, the, the phrase was Athanasius contramundum, Athanasius against the world. Um, and he, he found support in Rome um, and, and in other parts of the world, particularly in the West. But he, he stood firmly for the truth, unwaveringly. But to do so, he had to experience uh, persecution from within the family, as we say. And that's one of the great lessons of these saints is that to follow Jesus, Jesus says we must take up our cross. And the cross includes not only being attacked from external enemies, you know, pagans and heathens and whatnot, but from members of the family, so to speak, uh, within the church as well, as, as Jesus himself was, from Judas and the denial of Peter and uh, and many of the problems that the apostles addressed in the early church. There's all sorts of issues. Those issues have never changed. But um, many of these great saints face, as Alec mentioned, challenges that many of us uh, couldn't even imagine. I think we're in a very trying time period, don't get me wrong. Um, but many of that, you know, Joan of Arc, for example, she's covered in this book, uh, she was a laywoman, and she was killed. <laughs> she she was un- unjustly uh, brought to a trial. Uh, her canonical rights to appeal to the Pope, for example, were denied. And as a result, she was executed. But she went to her execution faithful, praying to God, um, and, and she remained uh, Catholic. And so, um, you know, that that's the great story of these saints is that they do things that are quite literally otherworldly. And I think that's what was so so inspiring. It's like either this Christianity thing um, is, is a complete fraud or it's otherworldly, and it actually gives its followers um, something that they could never give themselves, and that's this peace and that's this uh, sense of fortitude in the face of extraordinary persecution. And uh, and the saints, by, by engaging in this, by suffering it, they find the humility that ultimately uh, takes us to heaven, frankly. So... I was just talking to Megan Kelly, and I, I, you know, I don't think that I could be wrong, um, but I don't think that you guys wrote this um, because of the persecution that's going on right now. I have a feeling that you're thinking that it's going to get much, much worse. I could be wrong, and I'd love to hear your opinion. on. I that. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. So um, Megan and I were talking about, you know, what's coming. They put Donald Trump in jail or whatever. There is a there is going to be a moment where people have had enough. And uh, when that happens, persecution and the government will just come down hard. So what is the what is the the things that we can pull from your book that tells us what to do and what not to do? I think in when we're facing, you know, a lot of institutions turning against us, perhaps most terrifyingly, our government here in America, because the amount of power that it has, and we've seen attacks on religious people, especially Catholics, 
uh, even just within the past few weeks, frankly. It's, uh, it's holding on to the truth, especially the truth of our faith, matters more than anything else. That gives strength that can overcome any of these difficulties. When other people are crumbling or being manipulated or, or falling to the wayside, it's our faith that allows us to be able to get through even grave difficulties and circumstances we've really never had to experience in our generations and make it through in the end. Uh, the saints time and time again, when it looked like their circumstances were dire, when they themselves were imprisoned or martyred or, uh, you know, shut up away from the public sphere without, you know, had their rights to speak, uh, their liberties taken away from them, they really did cling to their faith and God saw them through. That's what's so wonderful about these stories. You think looking at the history of persecution of great Christians would be a depressing subject. But in a way, it's actually quite inspiring yeah. because you can see their strength and how we can imitate that. And you can see how God is always with his people. When you're faithful to God, God is faithful in greater abundance than we could ever know. What do you guys think we're, we're facing, especially as Catholics? You, you guys are, I mean, I, we have a Catholic president, the only the second time um, in history. Last time we had one was, and the first time was JFK. Um, and now we have a, a Catholic president who seems to be going after the Catholics. It's bizarre. Well, Glenn, this is a topic I've been pondering for really since COVID. Uh, I came into the Catholic Church in July 2019, and then so my first Easter was uh, in 2020. And, you know, we, we know that that was a somewhat eventful year. Mm. <laughs> and masses around the world were canceled for Easter. And uh, what I discovered in the in the Church Fathers and in many of these great saints is this articulation of this idea, as I said before, that persecution comes not only from the outside, but from within. And as we all know, those of us who've had any family issues, which I'm sure is pretty much all of us, um, that's the hardest thing to deal with. But that's exactly what these saints dealt with. And frankly, um, you know, President Biden, uh, I hope he repents. I hope he comes back to the faith. He's He's clearly violating it. And frankly, we have many shepherds who aren't calling them on it, and they'll be, they'll be held to a very high standard at the Day of Judgment. We Catholics believe that every single one of us will have to answer for what we did and what we failed to do to Jesus Christ at the Day of Judgment. And the people who have the highest standard for behavior will be bishops, will be priests, and will be the Pope. And, um, you know, the Pope has to go to confession, bishops have to go to confession, uh, and to the extent that they fail to amend their conduct uh, before they die— they're going to have to answer to the biggest boss. And so, um, but what we saw with all these saints, the, the subtitle of the book is called How the Saints Endured Crises in the Church. And um, I, I will say that there is this idea that um, there's this Judas element within the church throughout its entire history, throughout its entire history. It can't go away. Um, it will be resolved, but when Jesus comes back, and Jesus warned about it, the apostles warned about it, um, some have called it uh, the anti-church, and it's basically this dark side of the church. And these saints exhibit an, an astounding level of humility when they're faced with this kind of persecution. So, for example, um, I joked with some of my White House colleagues that uh, the, the thing that sucks about being Catholic is we can't complain about suffering. And what I meant is there's this idea in, in the Catholic faith of redemptive suffering. And the idea is that through his cross, prior to the Lord's cross and his death and resurrection— suffering was basically meaningless. It was just futile. It was the effect of the fall and whatnot. But after the cross, every single human being, if they follow Christ, can join their suffering to his. 
and it becomes fruitful. It becomes fruitful for the salvation of others. It becomes fruitful for the salvation of their own soul. And so literally everything that would have been futile and meaningless, which suffering oftentimes feels like, through Christ and his suffering, uh, becomes meaningful. And that's what so many of these saints show. You know, Stephen Colbert, I don't think he's the most, um, the paradigm of an Orthodox Catholic per se, but he had this beautiful line in an interview with Anderson Cooper, where Anderson Cooper was mentioning all these horrible tragedies that happened to him. And he basically said, how'd you get through it? And Stephen Colbert said that in the Catholic faith, God does it too. And that's essentially what you see in the lives of all these saints uh, with Athanasius and St. Thomas More. And they were laymen, they were priests, they were bishops, they were monks and nuns. So they come from all sorts of walks of life. Um, sometimes they're having to criticize popes. Sometimes they're having to be um, you know, persecuted by their bishops or their cardinals, as Alec talked about with Venerable Fulton Sheen. Uh, sometimes they're literally being executed, or, or like St. Joan of Arc, or they're being exiled from their diocese and, and on the run, like St. Athanasius. Um, so they're dealing with all these things, but they, but they know they can join their sufferings to Christ. And these saints, to this day, we believe, are in heaven praying for all of us, reaping uh, the, the most possible fruit a human being can ever reap um, for the salvation of the world. And that's what their suffering did by joining it to Christ. Joshua, thank you so much. Alex, the same. Uh, the name of the book is Persecuted from Within, uh, written for Catholics, but I don't think it's probably just for Catholics. Uh, it is no. for everybody. And I think we all need to look at how we are going to behave in times of persecution, because I do believe it is coming. Again, Persecuted from Within. Thank you so much, guys. God bless. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, you so much. You bet. Um, here's our sponsor this half hour. It's My Patriot Supply. Nobody's laughing at the preppers anymore. Have you noticed that? People are beginning to catch on to what you and I have already known for a long time. Oh, they, these people are crazy. Are they? Really? Are they? Mm-hmm. Never been a better time in our nation's history to be more self-reliant so you can secure the future for your family. It's something the people who came out of the Depression understood, something our grandparents, if you grew up around anyone who lived through the Depression, you know at the end of their life they were still saying it could happen at any time and you don't understand. We should remember that. My Patriot Supply can help. The best-selling three-month emergency food kit provides delicious breakfast, lunch, and dinners. Last up to 25 years in storage, and right now it's $200 off. Get 2,000 calories a day, just add water and heat, and eat. Make sure every member of the family has a three-month food kit. Don't wait around for the other shoe to drop. Order today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com for $200 in savings. Make sure you order by 3 p.m. Your order will ship for free that same day. Best to have emergency food and not need it rather than need it and not have it. Take $200 off MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. Oh, yeah. Uh, so here's uh, something that a dictator does. Um, the Commerce Department plans to issue today a new framework spelling out factors that federal agencies should weigh in on determining whether to take uh, march in action against expensive drugs or other individual products that were created with federal help. 
The price and availability of that product to the public are among the factors the department will recommend that agencies consider. So what they're talking about here is actually taking the um, uh, the trademark or the copyright of the of the drug. So in other words, a company, you know, made the drug. The government helped fund it, and now the price is too high, so the government's walking in and saying, you don't own that anymore. We own that, and you're going to make it for this price. That's fascistic. Just want to let you know that is fascistic. I just, I, just, I mean, I've, I've never heard so many attacks on our Constitution as what's happening right now, and nobody seems to be talking about the attacks that are coming from the left on our Constitution and Bill of Rights. Yeah, they don't care about it at all. It's such a... If you go back to the Van Jones era of, of the ends justify the means. Yep. It is so that approach from the left. We, you see that quite clearly when you're talking about the pro-life uh, part of this, uh, part of the conversation where they say, oh, we don't want to get anyone in between a patient and their doctor. I mean, it's like, it's such a blatantly... Th- obvious thing they don't believe every single time they try to get into healthcare, they're trying to put people between their doctor how and many the, times the, the government decided to get directly in between you and your doctor mm-hmm. and covid yeah don't yeah. listen to your doctor we to, might put your doctor in jail they might put they might mandate you to take all sorts of different things that you right. can't go outside all of these things are obvious to people if they think about it for five seconds these are arguments they obviously don't believe, but utilize in the moment because in the mm-hmm. moment they think it's it, it helps them. And you see this, I think, all across the board. They don't care whether the Constitution is a factor. It's just it's just another speed bump for them. There's another uh, thing that being heard today in court. A federal appeals court going to hear about the FBI's blatant scheme to circumvent the Fourth Amendment. Um, we have uh, $86 million was seized from people by the FBI not suspected of any crime. Is that legal? It can't be. It can't be. This all stems from that vault in Beverly Hills. Do you remember that a few years ago? 2021, the feds went into a, a vault in Beverly Hills. There was one guy suspected of money laundering for drugs They opened up the entire vault, every safety deposit box, and took everything. Even though those people weren't suspected of a crime, can the government do it? It's in court being heard today. The Glenn Beck Program. I pray not. Um, Mike Lee is going to be joining us next. We're going to be talking about the amendments of the Constitution in just a minute in some of these cases. Uh, what are you looking for when you walk down the meat aisle at the grocery store? If you're looking for a good price, I mean, th- that has to be. Can you afford something that is high quality now? Can you feed your family with pride? How about raised in America? You're looking for that. 85% of grass beef, grass-fed beef, is imported from overseas, but not with good ranchers. They source all of their high-quality beef and chicken from local farms and ranches. And for every box ordered, Good Ranchers donates 10 meals to Americans in need. That's over a million meals so far, so you can do good while you eat good. Don't settle for less than the best meats. Make sure that you're getting the best meat for your family from America and American ranchers. 
and a good price. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code BECK for $25 off of any box. Do some serious good for yourself and others by having American meat delivered right to your door. GoodRanchers.com. That's GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code BECK and save 25 bucks. And head over to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the code Glenn Plus and save. Right now, the uh, the weaponization of government hearings is happening in the House with CTIL. If you don't know that story, look it up. It's so important. Meanwhile, uh, they're also considering uh, renewing key authority known as Section 02. Um, and it is it is the ability to spy on the American people. Christopher Ray. uh it, got up and and on tuesday he was he was saying you know september 11th i mean that's a that's a warning he said what could anyone possibly say to victims families if there was another attack that we could have prevented if we hadn't given away the ability to effectively use a tool let me tell you what's going to be said christopher ray uh no tool you had could have stopped anything because you stopped you stopped looking for the bad guys when you opened the border and you started looking at Catholics and and following literally an 18, uh, I'm sorry, an eight week old baby with our air marshals. That's that's when we lost that. That's when you all turned your back on real terror. Mike Lee's not happy about it. Uh, and he's on the phone with us now. Senator, how are you, sir? Doing great. Good to be with you, Glenn. So uh, so tell me what, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know what Section 702 is and what is being done. Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, as it's called, is a tool that's supposed to allow our spy agencies to listen in on conversations by our enemies, our spies from other countries overseas who are trying to mess with us. Now, that's legitimate. What's not legitimate is that sometimes while spying on people overseas, they scoop up what they call incidental collections. Uh-huh. That is conversations involving American citizens. They record those, put those on a database. What we want to say in a nutshell is to say if they want to access that database, looking for communications involving an American citizen on U.S. soil, they should have to get a search warrant to do that backdoor search, as we call it. It's not too much to ask. Look, this has been the law of the land since 1791 when we adopted the Fourth Amendment. And with darn good reason, privacy matters and government has enough advantages on its side. We don't need to make it easier. What we found, Glenn, is that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times the FBI has done warrantless backdoor searches on American citizens on U.S. soil, unsuspecting Americans who have no idea they're being surveilled. It's not too much to ask to demand that they get a warrant. That's why I've introduced the government Surveillance Reform Act, and it's, uh, uh, that bill is very similar to the bill that was passed out of the House Judiciary Committee yesterday. We need to make sure that we don't just reauthorize this Section 702 of FISA without these reforms. A clean reauthorization is unacceptable, and we've got to stop it. I got to tell you, Mike, I am so disturbed. You know, what the Church uh, Commission found in the 70s, 
woke America up for a little while. Not an awful lot changed, but at least they pretended. What the Church Commission found at the time is romper room baby preschool stuff compared to what's happening all across the government now and what they are doing to American citizens. Am I reading the room wrong? You were absolutely right, and you're right on both fronts. Um, you're right that it was child's play compared to what we've got now, and you're also right that what the church committee found was itself really disturbing. They found that in every presidential administration since Woodrow Wilson, hmm. so basically since people had access to things like telephones, every presidential administration from Woodrow Wilson up until the 70s when they conducted this investigation had used our nation's intelligence gathering agencies for political espionage against their domestic political opponents. This is wrong. This is evil. And so we, we, and now that things are so much more automated, so much harder to detect by the public, it, it's worse, not better. And it's more important, not less, to respect the Fourth Amendment. So here's what I don't understand. The Democrats, you know, with CTIL, everything that's been going on, they're just in complete denial. They're just like, this is made up. This is a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. Here are the facts. Here are the actual documents to what's going on. You would think that a group of people that are so convinced that the next president could be a dictator, if it's Donald Trump, would do everything they could to make sure that a dictator couldn't uh, take out his political opponents by using uh, the the NSA or CIA or any of these tools. Why is there no interest when they think we're on the verge of a dictator? Okay, here's the interesting thing, Glenn. This is actually a bipartisan issue. It's an overwhelmingly bipartisan issue. In fact, this bill, uh, the, the Government Surveillance Reform Act, or the, the, the counterpart in the House of Representatives that passed out of the House Judiciary Committee yesterday, either one of those bills would pass both houses of Congress with a pretty overwhelming bipartisan supermajority. If we could put it up today. I've got liberal Democrats with me on this. My lead co-sponsor on this is Ron White, who's a liberal Democrat from Oregon. Uh, on the House side, um, Warren Davidson is on the bill, and uh, the, the lead Democratic co-sponsor there is Zoe Lofgren, uh, 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 the, the liberal Democrat. There is broad-based bipartisan support for this. And so if, if the members as a whole get their way, we win. Liberty wins. The Fourth Amendment wins. If the military and intelligence industrial complex of Washington, as swampy as it gets, gets its way, they're going to reauthorize this thing clean. Initially, what they'll try to do is they'll slap it onto the National Defense Authorization Act. Mm. And they'll say, oh, don't worry. This is just a clean authorization until April. They leave out the fact that uh, if they can get it to April, they can get the FISA court to issue another standing order. And that standing order can take them for as long as a year into the future. So instead of uh, an extension of four or five months, it's an extension of 16 or 17 months. This is how we lose. This is how the military industrial complex wins. And this is how liberty gets destroyed. It's bizarre to be on the side that for so long said, trust the military, trust our FBI. And now we're wide awake seeing the the vast corruption and uh, violations of our of our sacred rights in the from the Bill of Rights and the side that was the one that was always preaching this, generally speaking, 
doesn't seem to care. I guess maybe it's just it's it's the swamp that doesn't care. It's the swamp that doesn't care because the swamp is already uh, always interested in perpetuating the swamp. And the swamp asks us to trust it, even though we can't and shouldn't. As my wife, Sharon, likes to say, trust people, but always be skeptical of government. Always. Because government holds too many cards to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And so, look, th- th- this is um, so important to remember. Remember, uh, just the uh, day before yesterday, I had FBI Director Christopher Ray on the stand. And every single time I asked him about reforms, he wanted to dodge the question. And he wanted to avoid the issue of all these abuses of hundreds of thousands of warrantless searches being conducted on the American people. Do you know what he said? He said, trust us. Trust us because we now no. have reforms in place. They're going to be better. I've been hearing that for 13 years, Glenn. I know. Every single time they're lying. And it's time to bring this thing to an end. This is the time. 702 expires at midnight on New Year's Eve this year. We've got to stop this. And so help me, if they put an NDAA on the floor, a National Defense Authorization Act that has this in there, we're going to have to do everything we can to take that down. We can't afford that take that hit to liberty. They're going to do it. They always do it at the end of the year when nobody's paying attention, when everybody's on vacation. That's when they do these things. Um, Mike, let me switch uh, topics here for a second. Um, Donald Trump is, you know, when when uh, Chris Christie said last night, well, he's not going to be able to vote because he's a felon and the audience booed him, not because uh, everybody's willing to vote for a felon, but because they feel that this these trials are nothing but kangaroo courts, um, the especially the one in Washington D.C., which I don't think is going to go Donald Trump's way. What happens if he goes to jail, Mike? Okay, so insofar as we're dealing with federal charges, if President Trump were convicted and then he became elected as president of the united states it's pretty clear he has the ability to pardon himself uh there's uh there uh the same protection doesn't necessarily exist with regard to the state charges i don't know we've never been in this position before um but i believe in the jury system and i and i hope and expect that we'll we'll have juries that will take their role seriously in washington dc well and and where the where the juries get it wrong on the facts, then we hope that the judges will get it right on the law and everybody has the right to an appeal. And uh, I hope and expect that um, uh, the judges, both the trial court judges and the appellate court judges will be doing their jobs. So we've got to trust that system. As to what happens practically, I don't know. But at at every stage, people have rallied uh, to President Trump's defense. His fans become bigger fans when these sorts of things happen. And uh, I I do think we've entered a very unfortunate uh, area in which we have politically weaponized the criminal justice system to such an extent that the leading candidate uh, for the office of president of the United States, the, the presumptive front runner, the likely nominee for one of our two major political parties in this country is facing four different criminal indictments in four different jurisdictions for crimes that I don't think anyone thinks that he would have been charged with were he not the leading 
Republican presidential candidate. And uh, that's very, very disturbing. And, and I think that's also a reason why a lot of people are showing up for him. They, they sense some injustice in here, regardless of whether they agree with everything he says or does. They know in their hearts that there's something terribly wrong about this. Mike, as always, thanks for all your hard work. God bless. Keep it up. Thank you, Glenn. Good you bet. You. you bet. Bye-bye. All right, let me talk to you a little bit about Goldline. Um, I've just done a third collaboration with Goldline. Every time we embark on this journey, I get more excited. Um, uh, in an era where the woke crowd is trying to erase all of our history, we have an opportunity, I have an opportunity to design um, things that remind us of our history uh, so it can't be fully erased. Um, and you have an opportunity to own a piece of it. Shining the spotlight this time on none other than Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States. With Goldline, I had the honor of designing a beautiful coin commemorating the American covenant that uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, made at, right after the um, Gettysburg, uh, the Battle of Gettysburg. It's in gold, it's in silver, and it's in copper, and it pays tribute to the covenant that he made. Also to our Bill of Rights, which he saved. Now, when you purchase 25 Lincoln quarter ounce gold coins, you're going to receive 100 Lincoln copper rounds absolutely free. Each Lincoln commemorative is a tangible testament to the principles and sacrifices that built our nation. It's exclusively available now at Goldline. So don't wait. Call 866-GOLDLINE today. This is your opportunity to secure a slice of history, a beacon of freedom, and values that cannot be erased. Call now, 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Claim your piece of history. Goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> Hello and uh, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Bitcoin is at 43,000 now. It was 45, I think, yesterday. Yeah, I think it touched 45 uh, for a second. And uh, you remember... Jamie Dimon just came out and said, I, I think the government needs to ban cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Really bad investment. Right, Stu? Uh, you know, it really hasn't been. Everyone talks about how oh, people get blown up. They, they got suckered into the crypto industry and lost all their money. Well, you, but you had to buy it a long time ago. Right. So let me give you this. Is, this is all real. Okay. If you bought Bitcoin <laughs> on any day. In two thousand nine. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I just started it. Right. Of course, everyone cool. made money. Yes. Or two thousand ten. Uh huh. Or two thousand eleven. Right. Or two thousand twelve. Right. Or two thousand thirteen. Okay. Or two thousand fourteen. Or two thousand fifteen. Or two thousand sixteen. Or two thousand seventeen. Or two thousand eighteen. Or two thousand nineteen. Or two thousand twenty. Or twenty twenty three. If you bought on any one of those days, yeah, but twenty one and twenty two were really bad. Okay. Twenty one right? and twenty two. Let's look at those. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If you bought in twenty twenty two, uh huh, and you're down, mm -hmm. you're very unlike uh, unlucky. Because right. if you had purchased on over 90% of days in 2022, you're up. You've made money on your Bitcoin that you bought in 2022. Okay. Yeah, but what, what about 2021? Well, your worst case scenario in 2022 would be buying on New Year's Day. If you did that, you're down 10%. That's your mm. worst case scenario 
if you bought in 2022. But there was 2021. That was the peak year. We all remember that. Everything was going crazy. Everyone was talking about Bitcoin commercials on the Super Bowl. You remember that whole thing? Well, if you bought in 2021, the majority of the days, over 50% of the days, I think it's 50.4% of the days in 2021, you're still up. Okay. Now, half of the days you'd be down. Some of it a little bit. Some of think them a of lot. This. Think, think of the odds of losing on Bitcoin. Very difficult to lose. Very difficult. Uh, so far. Now, if you sold when it was low, then obviously you lost. But if you held it, you're up at this point. Now, people will say, well, yeah, but what about it when it peaked? 69,000. Do you remember how many days, let's say it was above 65,000? Three. Four. Four. Four <laughs> yeah. total days. So if you happen to purchase your Bitcoin on the four total days, it was above 65,000. It kind of sucks for you right now. Yes, you are down. I got it. Maybe you don't have a positive impression. I'd say hold it because you'll probably get above that number eventually. But this is. Uh, and maybe this round. So maybe, maybe, and I don't know if this is. This might be. This might rally. be the rebound mm-hmm. again because it always rebounds a lot higher and then it falls to the, what, the last, right around the last high. Mm-hmm. Um, since Bitcoin start, any purchase made on 96.5% of days is now profitable. Since the start of the 2017 bubble, remember that? 92.6% of days are now profitable. And even since the start of the 2021 bubble year, any purchase made on 82.3% of days is now profitable. This is the this is the they want to send you away from this investment, everybody. They want you to they want this to be illegal. Well, but at least you'll be safe in the central bank program. digital currency.